You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Peace and good morning, world. Welcome to Foundation Radio. Well, let me try that one again. I don't know if it's a good morning for everybody in the world right now. It sure doesn't feel like a good morning. <laughs> it is uh, It is Saturday night at 1130. I am recording this episode. Uh, I can't sleep, which is not a function of... You know, the the situation that happened today, but it is just more the fact that I can't sleep. My wife is away and my daughter is away as well. So it's a little bit more difficult to get comfortable in my bed. But big news today out of Stanford, Connecticut, the WWE came to terms with the release of Bray Wyatt. And I can't even believe I'm saying those words. Obviously, I can't even believe it because I can't even say it. But I can't even believe that I am uttering that sentence right now that Bray Wyatt is no longer with WWE. Like, what a shocking turn of events for this year, friends. Like, like an unbelievable, crazy, crazy time right now. I thought it was bad when they released Braun Strowman. I didn't quite understand that. I still don't, but in hindsight, maybe it was that big contract. I know, you know, there were some other issues going on in his world, I understood Alistair Black was another one. I know not everybody was, is real big on Alistair Black. I am. I love all that dark shit, I guess, which is why I love Bray Wyatt so much. But, man, what a bummer. What an absolute bummer, man. Like, I just can't even put into put. I can't even, like, put into words how bummed I am by this entire situation. And I'm curious now because everybody's like, oh, it's budget cuts and, you know fucking idiot Meltzer is talking about budget cuts again like like where the fuck do you get your sources from dude who are you talking to you spent all day shilling for AEW and now you expect me to believe that you have a source inside of WWE who's telling you things like shut the fuck up dude how many times have you been wrong comparatively to how many times you've been right I'd like to see a chart of that I'd love to see a chart and like a pie graph maybe you know what a pie graph is Dave do you work with numbers Dave Fucking dork. Anyway, there's been a lot of talk recently about Bray Wyatt's mental health. Obviously, I don't know anything about it. I don't know. I don't know Bray. I am uh, not in his circle. I do not know him on a personal level. I only know him from, you know, like the rest of us do watching him on TV. But I can share a little something with you about my life. Which leads me into the point of maybe this is might be what's happening. In uh, 2012, I lost my best friend in the entire world very suddenly and very um, shockingly, I guess is the word. Uh, Scott Palak Sparks was one of my best friends. I've probably my best friend in the whole world. I'd known him since uh, high school. Met him in 2001, pre 9-11. In fact, I was with Scott on 9-11 in school, smoking cigarettes out behind the Pizza Hut in Newtown, Pennsylvania. Pizza Hut is now a Sherwin-Williams, but it the, the parking lot still exists in its original form there. And I remember commenting with him that it was, it was eerie that there were no planes in the sky. I can, I can close my eyes and still look up into the sky and see that bright crystal blue sky on September 11th and not seeing anything 
in the sky. Not a single thing, not a cloud, not a plane, not anything flying around. It was uh, it was jarring. And Scott and I sat there for a while, just bullshitting. Got some two liters from 7-Eleven and drank some soda and smoked our cigarettes and just sat around. And Scott and I did a bunch of music together. I'm not a musical guy, but I, I know good shit when I hear it. And I connected Scott with a bunch of my friends, a bunch of people I know who are producers, one of which is Enrichment, who is the guy who produces all of our ad music on the show. Shout out to Enrichment. As well as uh, Mark Ciccone, who is IU, who does our intro and outro music uh, as one half of Dumb, Dumb Ugly. So shout out to Dumb Ugly and Biz Mighty and IU and the rest of them guys. But we all we all rolled together. We all made music and we all, you know, hung out and... Man, there was nobody funnier than Scott, man. Scott was like meme culture before meme culture existed. He was like just so fast. Like I never met anybody who was quick the way Scotty was quick with coming up with jokes and and just like wild, wacky shit to say. Uh, You know, we'd be texting back and forth. And the next thing I'd know, he would be telling me about how nuns are drop kicking people off of, uh, you know, ironing boards with tube socks filled with raisin bran and you know the go and and Rutherford B Hayes was you know smacking bitches with um Vaseline you just like the most insane wild shit and for everything that he would say I would come back with something equally as ridiculous and and off the wall and you know I know Courtney and and his fiance Melissa they would just the two of us the two of them would just shake their heads at us all the time and it was always like that with Scotty Scotty was just that guy that I could riff with and he was just one of my closest friends and he was a wonderful, wonderful guy. And I, I loved him. I, you know, I've never shied away from people telling people in my life that I love them. And I, I, I never do. I never will. And he was an incredible lyricist. I mean, just one of the best, one of the best I'd ever heard. And I don't, I, you know, I, I know you're probably like, Oh, you know, who's your buddy. But no, I mean, he was just, he was a really gifted poet and he, the way he could compose music. I remember the first time I heard one of his records was 2001. He did this record with his brother Razor, and uh, it was just phenomenal, just a phenomenal piece of music. And they did it over the Capona Noriega beat um, for Bang Bang, and uh, or Phone Time rather. My apologies, they did it over Phone Time, which is a, a, a classic heater, by the way. Go out of your way to find that record. Uh, it's on the reunion album. But him and Razor did this uh, this back and forth. Uh, you know, this, this record they called it "What a Feeling." And, uh, you know, Scotty was just, just, ah, just out of control. Him and Razor, the two of them together. I mean, I just, I've never heard them. I've never heard somebody, you know, you hear rappers who have refined their style over the course of years, you know, if, um, with, uh, you know, Jay-Z, you hear a Jay-Z record or an Eminem record or a, you know, even a a Biggie record before he was killed or J. Cole, any, anybody, Black Thought. These guys have refined their skills over the course of, you know, decades and here's Scott at 16, 17 years old in a booth, just hang, like, just could hang with the best of them. I mean, it was just an incredible thing to hear. And I just remember just being like awestruck by him. And yeah, he was just, just the coolest dude. And uh, June 22nd, 2012, I'm at work and my buddy Jeremy calls. And Jeremy's like, you know, hey, man, what are you doing? And 
he's like, yes, man, I don't know where you're at, but you probably should sit down for this one. He's like, I, you know, I don't have any information, but you know, Scott Sparks is, is dead. And at first I didn't quite understand what he said. And then he, he said it again. And, and I was just, I was in shock. I just couldn't believe what he was telling me. And it was just this, I remember feeling numb in my arms and I remember having like a physical reaction to it. You know, I didn't like gag or anything like that. I didn't, I didn't was going to throw up, but I just remember feeling like detached. Like I was floating above my body. Like I wasn't really sure where I was. And I just couldn't figure out what I was doing. I, I, I couldn't really like compose myself. And I didn't cry right away either. I just was, I just felt detached. I felt like I was not in my body. And Jeremy just, he was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, no, man, like, what are you talking about? No, I'm not okay. Like, are you sure? Scott Palak, Scott Sparks. Like, I just talked to him yesterday on, on Facebook. Like, we were just bullshitting yesterday. He said, yeah, man, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I talked to Sean and I talked to Hillary and, I, you know, a couple of other people in the crew. And Sean's his brother and Hillary at the time was his brother's girlfriend. And he said, yeah, he's it's like, he's, he's gone. He, you know, he's... he's He's dead. They, they found him in his car. And I just, I still, to this day, like I still think about it and I just, I feel so weirdly detached when I talk about it. And I remember going to his funeral and, and you know, because every funeral in Newtown, if, if, if anyone passes away in Newtown in a, in, a, in, a, in a young crew, and I've been to enough of them where I know, everybody goes to Floor Funeral Home, uh, right there on Newtown Richboro Road. Everybody goes to Floor Funeral Home, and it's the same song and dance every time. It's just, it's, you do the same procession, you do the same movements every time, and went in and started to sign the sign-in book. I was with my brother Matt and Courtney at the time. Uh, you know, Courtney was my fiance at the time. She, we were just getting ready to get married about two months later, and I just, I just broke down in, in tears. I was just, I, like, I couldn't stop crying. I was shaking. I was crying so hard, and I remember just trying to walk up to where they had him and you know he was there he was in his flyers jersey uh he had a couple of you know custom flyers jerseys with his name on the back and of course he looked ragged with his beard because he just always used to keep his beard real ragged and he had his microphone in his hand and I just I just let it all out I was just wailing you know and I wasn't making noise I was just crying and I just sobbing I guess is the right word it was one of the worst experiences of my of my life as I as I'm talking about it, I'm I'm, I'm reliving it again. And I, I didn't write any of this down, by the way. I don't want you to think that I'm I'm, I'm reading off a script or this was none of this was planned. I, I didn't plan on being up until 1130 at night on a Saturday talking into a microphone about, you know, my best friend who died. But this is just something I was thinking about that I thought was important to share. And uh, I guess at some point I just started to repress things, you know, I just started to shove things down. I just started to push things into my, you know, the, the, the dark reaches of my psyche. And those things started to manifest in other ways. And I, I stopped taking care of myself. I stopped, uh, I stopped eating right. I just ate whatever was in front of me, you know, not realizing that my suit didn't fit for my wedding, you know, and I put on a ton of weight right away. I, I wasn't sleeping real well. My anxiety was through the roof. And it just kept pushing down. And I was like, it's going to be fine. And I'll get through it. And I'm just got to man up and deal with this. Because Scott's gone. And there's nothing bringing him back. And 
I'd start to cry, and I, I don't know if anybody else does this, but when you start to cry and you feel those emotions, you just like you, like you swallow them down, you know? They just stuff them down into the deep recesses of your mind. And the more time went on, the more I just, I, I just felt more disconnected from the situation and, and more detached from myself. And uh, I put on 60 pounds, 60 to 65 pounds, something like that, maybe more. I know I put on more later because, you know, then Jeremy died and it was just. <sighs> I just know the mental space that I was in at the time. And I know the energy that was expended dealing with that. And maybe not, maybe not even dealing with that. But I, I know the toll that it took on me physically, mentally, emotionally. And how even to this day I still can't think about him without crying and I used to see people on TV or I would talk to people and they would cry about you know people that they loved and I never understood why I was was just like you know I guess I never understood sadness like that until it happened to me and now I I get it you know I'll probably cry when this recording's over I'm trying really hard not to I'll tell you right now friends I uh trying really hard to keep it together here because this is a really sensitive subject with for me still I mean almost 10 years later you know this 22nd is uh, was nine years ago and uh, you know coincidentally my my oldest son James was born a year to the day that Scott died so it makes the day even weirder for me that I I lost my best friend and then a year later gained my new best friend and it's always a very very strange day for me and I'm not a religious guy. I'm not, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I, I you know, I'm, I'm very, very, you know, black or white, I guess, binary, whatever you want to call it. It's, you know, I'm, if I can't see it, I don't believe it. But I always found it so strange that James was born on the same day that Sonny died. And I called him, I used to call him Sonny Palazzino as a whole thing. But offhand, I apologize. I refer to him as Sonny sometimes. But, um, yeah, when Scott died, it was just, uh, you know, the same day that James was born. Just wild shit. And then, you know, things got things got progressively worse. But I remember the first year or so was really, really difficult for me. The first, like, I don't know, maybe even six to seven months were just awful. I mean, they were just days of what's the best way I can describe this for someone who's never experienced this. Uh, I want you to go and listen to a record, an album, a record called Post Traumatic by Mike Shinoda. That to me is the most accurate representation of what grief of a friend feels like. Grief of a friend who you lost and feels like family. Whenever I start thinking about Scott or I start thinking about Jeremy or you know anybody else that I've lost in my life, which is a really long list, unfortunately, I, I tend to divert back to Shinoda's record and, and it's just spot on. Everything he's saying is is what I feel. And, you know, the record was inspired by Chester Bennington's suicide, the lead singer of Linkin Park. And, you know, Mike Shinoda was the, the second half of that vocal group in the band. They were probably closer than Scott and I were, but the uh, thought, the function of it remains... And I, I just remember feeling just, just like couldn't sleep and couldn't eat properly because 
it just didn't feel right. It just, I, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't drinking any heavily, many more heavily than I was at the time, but you know, it was definitely a little bit more to excess than it usually was. And, you know, I was scared that I was going to fall into the same pratfalls that, you know, my mother has and other people that in my life have. And I just know how dark my life was and how dark my brain was for, for months after that. And I shared on Twitter today that I I can't imagine I can't imagine what that must be like to have to go through a, a very public mourning of someone so close to you, all while being one of the top performers in the top wrestling company in the world. I mean, that's a big stage. That's a big presence. You know, like Bray Wyatt is a is a household name for the most part. He is this generation's undertaker. He is a very, very popular wrestler, entertainer. Kids love his stuff. I mean, you know, my house is full of Bray Wyatt stuff. We just, I just had Jason Baker on the show this past week and, and we got to go over to Jason's studio and see a little bit of, you know, behind the magic with my oldest son. And he was just like on cloud nine. I've never seen the kid smile as big as he did. And I, I he's, and it's not just my kids, not just James. It's, it's so many other kids, so many other people out there love this man. They look to him for excitement and drama and getting the shit scared out of you. And, and, and then on top of that, a really good wrestling match. And imagine being him right now dealing with Brody Lee's death and his grief and his pain from that. I just couldn't, I can't imagine what he must be going through. And again, I'm, I'm, purely speculating. I want to be clear. I'm, I'm purely speculating about his mental health. I, I have no idea what's going on. But I know that from experience, he's probably not, not, not doing too well with that. And there's been a lot of talk about saying budget cuts and injuries and, you know, I, listen, like, like, I think it's one thing that maybe starting to really fucking piss me off about these these internet journalists from the IWC. These guys who my sources say, my sources inside the company say, and it's always, you know, it's always nonsense. Telling me it's budget cuts or telling me it's it's injuries or whatever, like. And sometimes maybe, you know, maybe it does turn out to be correct. Sometimes maybe that does happen. Maybe they do get it right. You know, broken clock is right twice a day. But until I hear it from Bray, even with the mental health stuff that people are saying, like until I hear it from Bray, like I don't want to hear what anybody has to say about it. Just a, it's a, a very unfortunate situation. It's a very, and also too, a lot of you guys that are just talking about budget cuts, you know, you've never worked in a corporate environment before. You don't know what that's like. There's, there's just a privacy that goes along with that. You know, a lot of times these guys sometimes will have to sign an NDA to not publicly smash on them. Not everybody, and maybe WWE doesn't do that, but I know in my corporate world, 
we have to do that in some specific situations. And there are probably things he can't talk about, contractually obligated not to talk about. Maybe on an exit interview or maybe something that's inside of his contract when he's when when these guys are released. Creative or, you know, proprietary information or, you know, the, the circumstances that that really surround their their termination. I've had to term people before I, I've done it and it's terrible and it's it's fucking it's the worst thing I've ever done. It's my job, unfortunately, a metric or a function of my job. And it sucks and it never gets easier when I have to do things like that. But I don't go out and tell people right away or put it on my Twitter. Hey, this is why I had to term this person. I let this person go because it wasn't working. It's, it seems like it's a catchphrase. It's a it's a go to signal. Budget cuts. That's why. You think maybe he just doesn't want his business out in the in the world? Maybe he just doesn't want people to hear what's happening. Did you ever think about that? Anybody ever work in corporate before? Like a real corporate job? Of course not. You guys all write newsletters. You don't know what it's like to be in a corporate structure. You've never worked a corporate job before. Also, at the time, I can't believe it. I, I just personally, like on a on a person level, can't believe that they would use cor- uh, you know budget cuts as a a metric for this. So I'll believe it when I see it. But but listen, guys, this is this is this is just so I guess shocking for me to see this. It's just so unexpected, maybe, to see a professional wrestler like uh, of this caliber let go, this creative individual let go from a company. I am genuinely shocked and surprised, especially because it seemed like they were getting ready to bring him back. And pretty soon, they were going to bring him back at the end of next month, or I guess you know August. This month, whatever day you're listening to this, could be July, could be August. Who knows? And I just, I genuinely shocked, genuinely shocked. So I think the best thing to remember right now is, is, is probably the speculation about AEW should maybe give it like, maybe give it some time to quiet down. We should probably like stop doing that because we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes at this point. We don't really know what's going on inside of his mind. And for anybody to say that they do or anybody to say that they do know what happened to Bray Wyatt or his contract or why he was released is full of shit. Period. Nobody knows for sure except for the people who, the principal parties of that, that conversation. And maybe he requested the release himself. Maybe he wanted to get out. Maybe he needed to clear his head without the stresses of being in WWE. I don't see anything wrong with that. We can sit here and talk about the creative and how WWE, quote unquote, made, you know, did him wrong, even though he was a fucking multi-time world champion and, you know, whatever. And then feuds with some of the biggest stars of our time. But sure. Yeah, they did him wrong. Got it. Fucking nerds. (sighs) 
guys, like there's more to there's more to life than than talking about whether or not Bray Wyatt's going to AEW. Like, let it fucking breathe for a minute. Let everything get sorted out for just like ten minutes, guys. Like for fuck's sake, it's just so obnoxious to watch this and to see this. It's just it's insane. I'll leave you with this though. I'll leave you with this. Whatever ends up happening with him, he's going to be successful wherever he ends up. Dude is an unbelievably talented guy. He's a a creative genius. Love him or hate him, he's a creative genius. But whatever's going on, I hope I hope that he is able to find the peace and serenity that he is looking for. And I hope that I hope I just hope that everything is okay. Because again, none of us know what's happening. None of us know what's going on behind the scenes and he's people everyone's keeping it quiet the way it should be because it's nobody's business. And once we find out more then we'll know more. But and until then everybody just needs to cool off, relax. Just stop speculating. There's just speculation and, and criticism. It's just not it's just not helpful. Like who fucking cares? Who fucking cares, guys? Nobody cares about your opinion. Nobody cares about my opinion. I'm just a guy screaming into a microphone at eleven thirty at night in my fucking apartment in Pittsburgh. I'm just screaming into a microphone. That's all you all are doing. You're just fucking spitting on your keyboard. Clacking the keys, making shit up, giving your thoughts. Maybe too many of us are fucking giving our thoughts. I don't know. But if it is, if it does have something to do with Brody, and if you've never been in that position before, and you don't know what it's like, then maybe you should sit this one out. You should probably sit this one out because you absolutely don't know what real loss is until you experience it. And you can't imagine the pain that people go through unless you actually experience a real loss like that. So just just fucking cool your jets and just let the man breathe. Maybe that's what he needed. Maybe he just needed to breathe. I don't know. It's all speculation right now, guys. None of us know what's happening. But it is shocking. It is very surprising that this happened. In any event, I appreciate you joining me for this uh, very special midnight version of Foundation Radio. This week, Alfred Kanoa from Forbes.com and Pro Wrestling Bits will be joining me. We're talking about uh, race and pro wrestling. We've got lots of stuff to say about WWE and AEW and lots of criticisms and, and strengths in one company and lacks in the other, which we'll get into. And I hope you join me for that episode. Feel free to check out the rest of my stuff in the archive at foundationradio.net. You can follow me at This Is Goober. Shout out to Sports Kita for uh, the press and the reports on the Jason Baker interview from last week. I really appreciate that. Got a lot of fun stuff coming up, too. Hopefully, I can uh, share that with you pretty soon, which you have to take a look at my Twitter account to, you know, see what's happening. Just, guys, just be good to each other, okay? That's it. That's all we have to do. It literally costs nothing to be nice, guys. It really, really costs nothing to be nice, honestly. 
I'll leave you with this last little clip of uh, Bray and my son, my oldest son, James, during uh, one of the meet and greets, the virtual meet and greets from the pandemic that they did. And you can't see James's face in the video, but if you get a chance to watch it, go on my Twitter feed, I have it up there. But if you get a chance to watch it, I mean, my son's face is just absolutely, absolute joy. And I got to thank Bray for all the happiness that he's brought to James and all the things that he's done to entertain us all here at our at our home for the past how many years and just wish him the best and hope hope things will get better for him and things will improve. Hopefully we see him back, whether it's in AEW or even WWE or wherever he ends up. I just hope it, it it's a good place for him. So take it easy on each other, friends, and I will see you again on Tuesday. Peace. What's up? What's going on? <laughs> Hi, buddy. <laughs> What's your name? James. James. Like LeBron James. That's cool. <laughs> what do you want to talk to him about? Go ahead. Go ahead. How's Ramblin' Rabbit doing? Who? Ramblin' Rabbit? <sighs> is he your favorite? Mm-hmm. Is that your guy? He mm-hmm. is. He's a crazy one, isn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I brought him with me. It would have been more fun, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have time. I forgot him. Is there anything else you want to ask? What do you want to ask him about? Go ahead. Um, Ask me about going to Monday Night Raw. What's he going to do? What are you going to do at Monday Night Raw? I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be a whole bunch of new people I've never been there with. You know? Like, I've never been around Drew McIntyre before. So right. it's, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> it's pretty we exciting. And what do you think of Alexa Bliss? Yeah, what do you think about that? She's going on with The Fiend. What do you think? That's pretty cool. cool. Huh? That's pretty yeah, cool. you like it? Yeah. Because I can get rid of her if you don't want me to have her. I'll get rid of her. Just tell me. <laughs> you want to get rid of her? <laughs> yeah, he's thinking. <laughs> think he's going to fight with McIntyre? He's going to beat him, right? What do you think? Do you think you're going to battle I, um, Drew McIntyre? I've yeah. never lost to Drew McIntyre before. Never. I'm undefeated against Drew. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to beat him for sure. That's that's. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, it, it'll be a good one, though. Hopefully, if we get to that, you know, I probably got to go get Randy Orton first, though, don't you think? Oh, yeah, he's going to stop. He, him. he yeah. deserves it, right? Oh, Brandon Johnson, Brandon. right? Yeah. <laughs> you say, Bray Wyatt, tell him what you wanted to say. You're my favorite wrestler. Dude, thank you so much. I'm about to lose you. It was grand to meet you guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>